0: For more information, visit OutdoorEdge.com. New from Moultrie Mobile, the Feed Hub offers first-of-its-kind cellular connection and control for nearly any spin cast feeder on the market. When used with the Moultrie Mobile app, you can monitor feed and battery levels, run feeders on demand, receive alerts when feeders are clogged, and remotely adjust feeding times. The Feed Hub is ideal for anyone who maintains feeders. Remove the guesswork and save time by planning feeder maintenance before you drive to your hunting property. For more information, visit MoultrieMobile.com. Welcome to Maximize Your Hunt, the podcast dedicated to those who want the most out of their hunting property. This podcast explores land management, habitat improvement, and hunting strategies that will help you maximize your time in the field. Follow along as industry
1: professionals that live and breathe whitetail deer share their secrets to success. And now, the founder of Whitetail Landscapes, your host, John Teter.
2: I'm John Teeter, Whitetail Landscapes. This is Maximize Your Hunt. Welcome back. Uh, a little housekeeping. If anybody could go in that's listening to this and give a five-star review and rating, I'd really appreciate that. Um, I want to get Steve Shirk back on the line. We've had multiple guests up to this point, and I want to get him back and talk a little bit about where we're at in the season, his strategies, and we're going to end this. This is our part four of kind of our hunting tactics, advanced strategies series, and I really appreciate Steve did this along the way. He's in a guiding season now, so he's out. Um, I'm in a hunting season like most of you, so I'm starting to get out and and get get aligned with some of these deer that I'm going after. So I'll share some of those stories and we'll have a, a few guests coming on probably to give a few more strategy tidbits for you all. So let me get Steve here on the line. Hey Steve, how you doing, buddy?
1: Good. How are you?
2: Uh, good. Okay. So uh, I feel like we talk every day. Um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's
1: hard to crack up something new.
2: <laughs> yeah. But there yeah. is, there is a lot, lot going on. Um, and I think, you know, we can kind of boil down, you know, current events with you right now. This is, we're mid-October and we're, we're, we're going to, we're going to lead into the end of October in a rut. And we want to talk a little bit about things you got going on. You got the client season starts right now for you. So let's talk a little bit about that.
1: Sure. Yeah. Um, we usually <clears throat> start around October 20th every year. So I got guys coming into camp tomorrow afternoon and <clears throat> they'll get a, even get a sit in tomorrow night, most of them. So it's exciting. Um, I really thought we were going to see some better activity with this weather front. Um, I mean, there's definitely increase of activity, but I'm not seeing as much widespread activity uh, as what I had thought. Um, definitely, that's a lot of that's just based on you know widespread of trail camera checks these past couple of days. So, hopefully, we'll start to see a lot more mature deer moving along in daylight because. I mean that's what that's what my clients are here for, and a lot of my sets are more like rut sets or on scrapes. So, I've had to shift a lot of a lot of our sets and spots closer to bedding the past few days, and just been it's deer hunting. It's it's never something that you can fully predict. That's
2: for sure. Yeah, it seems like this period of time, and we'll go off the juries because we just had Perry on. Uh, this is a lull period for movement and i've mm-hmm. noticed even tonight uh, i've got a shooter buck again he's delayed about 40 minutes after you know after dark and i've yep. i've got him consistently on uh, my property and and it's hard for me to diagnose when to go after him but it's it's too early and i multiple younger bucks even younger bucks delaying movement in some of these bedding areas you know coming out of the bedding areas so it's it's kind of interesting you know that that yep. being the case with even younger deer so something's going on yep. in the woods
1: yeah, usually though if you get the weather that we've got this week, some of those bigger deer will, you know, be way more daylight active but just for some reason I'm I'm not seeing it and we're a little bit early into this front but uh I still I still feel like uh you know things are a little bit more behind schedule and it's also, you know, very interesting like I I see some bucks that seem to be more daytime active and that's even mature bucks. And then some are, it's not like, uh, they're all on the same schedule. So just going to be an interesting rut. I mean, I know it's going to be right around the corner. I was hoping things would speed up sooner than later, but it does seem to be just a tad off, I think.
2: So you did mention that you're creeping, you know, your clients closer to betting. That's, that's going to be a strategy right now. Um, can you tell the difference of what you normally do this time of year versus, versus what the plan is? Like how close are we talking (laughs)
1: Yeah. Well, what we normally do right now is we, we start to, you know, kind of get maybe in between buck bedding and doe bedding or, you know, a lot of it's, you know, active scrapes and rub lines, but a little bit more rut related. Um, And like I said, unfortunately, I just, I'm not seeing those spots hit consistently or anywhere near, you know, legal shooting hours. So it just seems like we have to get much tighter to buck betting you know than what i expected and like i said everything everything was set ahead of time and put in place for more of a rut strategy right now and i know a lot of listeners might be like well you dummy it's because it's not the rut but actually you know as as a, you know 10 days ago when i started to notice you know this weather pattern coming in all my historical data over the years uh i've seen that more rut type behavior based on this this cold weather that we have usually those bucks will venture further out of bedding uh you know during these fronts and they'll even check some doe groups and it just seems like they're still not coming out till you know after dark
2: yeah and i'm i'm noticing a, a lot of nighttime movement of those m- more mature bucks i also yep. noticed today uh, in several instances on my cameras, the 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 does were were hitting a bunch of the scrapes, so you know they're trying to transition into more of a social setting. They're, there's more congregation yep. of deer, and, and you start to see that commingling of, of bucks and does in this circumstance. And it's it's time contingent. So I did a prediction last week. I was telling people the days to hunt in upstate. So yeah, uh, now I think today's the 18th. Tomorrow's the 19th, right? That front is coming through. It's cold. And I I did mention this in a a podcast I just did on on another podcast, you know, paying attention to that speed of wind. Um, Speed of wind is really critical. It's one of the critical factors I look at uh, when we're talking about mature buck movement. Um, Very Mm -hmm. these dull, lull days where you do not have wind, which tonight in upstate where I am, um, very it was cold it was nice but the wind speed wasn't there that that from a safety and security standpoint they're relying on that for their movement patterns pay attention to that because sure. that's, that's a huge factor in, in the distance they move and their comfort levels you you would think yep. the opposite um but they're utilizing that wind to their advantage in travel right they 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 i guess resonate with with you know, obviously sound, sight, and smell, and smell is one of those predominant, uh, I would say, factors in their movement cycles, particularly in highly pressured ground for that matter. Um, and I'm not saying yep. they're not moving, they're moving with the wind in their face or tail winding. I mean, they could be doing, moving in all different directions, but They're utilizing that to some degree. It also covers their movement as well. Um, They're using that as a cover source as well. So you need to think about that kind of in the movement cycle patterns. And and I weigh wind speed very heavily, Steve. So that's just a strategy that I have. Um,
1: Yep. And also just, you know, just to touch a little bit more on weather, um, like I, I think another thing, and this might not make sense to some people, but I think it it messed with us a little bit this year is we had a cold late September and I saw like a huge increase in mature buck activity, you know, daytime activity in late September. And then, you know, maybe early October wasn't all that cold, but I think the weather, you know, it's been colder than than what it's been the past few years. And some of us would think like, oh, well, those bucks are going to continue to move like crazy in the daytime. But I think they're a little bit more accustomed to the temperatures. Like, okay, it did get cold, and but now it's just too early to continue this behavior. And yeah. uh, I think that was that flurry of daytime activity we saw in late September. But um, you can't expect it to, can, you know, last through the whole entire month October until probably closer to the end.
2: Yeah, and I'm not a huge moon. Uh phase guy or, you know, moon status, but the moon's perigee, you know, the moon's distance to the earth, that relative distance, you know, and the juries talk about this, that they believe that's, that's a factor in their movement cycles. I think in concert with the weather conditions, you know, particularly October 2nd through 6th, that period of time, I saw a continuation of that September movement into that first week, a couple key days. And, and, and I want to say eight, nine o'clock movement in the morning, I think on the third, maybe it was the second or third on a couple of properties, multiple like quality bucks moving at that particular time. Uh, then also yep. on the sixth, I, I found some afternoon, early afternoon movement. So that period of time was pretty good. Um, the relative moon position, its status, and again, the, the moon phase, you know, full moon, new moon. These full moon cycles in concert with perigee, meaning you know, its closeness to the earth is critical. And and if you're looking at those as as potential, I guess, uh, factors in hunting, you know, you're looking at the end of October that being paramount. Now, I don't want to say that's a factor in my decision making because I I weigh weather much more, and then here's individual personalities and preferences for certain areas, so like the. that's what I weigh most, but there are some indicators that there's some value. Maybe it's subtle and it depends on the area, but it, it does seem like there, there is some, I, I would say, I don't want to say weighting, but I would weight that minimally, but I think it is a factor in and, and it. Yep.
1: I, 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 to- I totally agree in my studies. I do believe like moon is in maybe the top five or 10, but I think weather is you know, in your top one or two when it comes to deer movement
2: absolutely i can't can't agree more and i'm not i'm not saying that that this is you know something that is proven or or scientifically supported i mean there's groups that have just dismissed this altogether, but but i have seen some relative data that would maybe consider that as a factor in in overall movement uh jake ellinger is a a big proponent of that who's on this podcast as well so that's just something to throw out there Um, sure. All right, Steve, let's get into a few more things with you. So, uh, you're moving through this, you know, we're, we're talking about mid, mid October, you got clients coming in. Let's talk about you specifically, what you got going on, uh, individually things that you're noticing deer that you're going to go after those type of topics.
1: Yep. I mean, I've, I've been hunting two or three different deer. Uh, I really, I'm just starting to really put my time in. I, like I always say, I don't do as much early season hunting as I would like. But the reason why is just just for the fact that once guiding season starts, I have to make sure all my T's and you know are crossed and my eyes are dotted because there's just I literally have hardly any time to do anything but guide and maybe sit and usually I can sit in the stand an hour or two in the morning, hour or two in the afternoon. But other than that, I'm just super busy this time of year, so. But yeah I'm definitely starting to get dialed in on a few different deer um, this one deer in particular it's a big mainframe ape he's got a little bit of junk he's been he's been really really consistent on the cameras um, he uh, you know he's teasing me a lot it's showing up you know it, it right after dark sometimes fifteen minutes maybe the latest a half hour forty minutes same thing in the morning just catching them, you know just just before it gets, you know, uh, daylight. So whenever you see a deer like that and it's a deer you're interested in and you see, you know, that you're right there at that window, I kind of expected that this cold front would, uh, you know, get him, you know, just enough on his feet a little bit more in the daytime. But I've hunted him the past two evenings. Uh, He hasn't shown, but he's showing up once again just after dark. Um, In the morning, what I'm going to do, I'm going to go after him tomorrow morning, maybe only for an hour, but I'm actually going to ground hunt him and go about 500 yards back in further the direction that he's coming from, closer to where he's batting. Basically, I'm going to set up right as tight to batting as possible and just see what happens. But normally this time of year, once again, a lot of my sets are back a little bit further, sometimes, you know, Closer to some dough bedding or on an active scrape, and those sets seem to work. But you know, like I touched on earlier, just still doesn't seem like a lot of these deer, even with this cold weather, or uh, you know, coming out of that bedroom during the daytime hours.
2: Yeah, yeah, it must be the moon, Steve. Just saying. Okay, so yep. <laughs> let's uh, let me let me ask you a little bit more about this particular set tomorrow morning, and I, I want to know what your strategy going into this. You know where's this deer coming from relatively speaking how are you going to cut him off and transition or catch him going in the bed what what do you think there
1: yeah well i mean i think one of the biggest keys i'm going to do is i'm going to do a lot of calling um and i'm going to get in there early and literally as soon as i know i'm able to you know you know it's legal shooting light and able to you know to uh you know ethically shoot at him i don't want to be shooting at a deer and not you know able to know uh what deer it is or you know whatever, but as soon as it, I get enough shooting light, I plan on doing a lot of calling real tight to to the bedroom. He's got a really good rub line uh <clears throat> heading right towards this bedding area that I plan to set up on i uh I probably should have just went in there tonight and moved my stand closer, but because I was just thinking with that front, I would get him to come out further you know and maybe show up in the daylight. I didn't have enough time to to move a stand or I'm just gonna kinda of wing it in the morning as far as my setup. But I think the biggest key for me is gonna be getting in there early. It's tight to like I said, right on the edge of that cover and kind of following that rub line that he's using coming in and out and uh play the wind in my favor and I I just think the the amount of sign the steer is putting down, he's doing you know, putting down a ton of scrapes and rubs He just seems to be real, like, fired up. I think when you see that kind of sign, I think oftentimes that's a good actual spot to do some calling because that deer is definitely trying to say that he's the boss of the area. And I think if he hears my calls, maybe even if he hears my calls while he's in that bedding area, I might be able to get him out. So that's what my plan to do is do a lot of calling, get the wind in my favor, and get as tight to that that bedding as, as possible.
2: So you're going to set up on a transition trail into bedding, correct?
1: Exactly. He, what he's doing now is he, because he feeds in the bedroom all day. I talk about that a lot. A lot of, and I'm not saying that there is not a bed to feed pattern, but what a lot of people don't understand or don't think of is, you know, these bucks are still feeding in their bedding areas throughout the day. So I think he's coming out with, you know, at least three quarter full belly and, where he's heading for is a doe is a doe bedding area. And I, I even seen the does, you know, again, tonight they're, they're hanging pretty tight to this bedding area and he, and they're hitting the scrapes too, that he's working. So he's constantly checking those scrapes, you know, and that's where I was set up. Um, normally, like I said, you get this kind of weather, even this time of year, that buck should have been killed this week uh, already, but you know, he's being stubborn. So, uh, you know all I can do is push it a little bit closer I, I think after a couple days of this cold weather, I think I would have seen him by now show up in the daylight and then by checking the cameras and seeing you know two days in a row he's he's coming in you know seven seven thirty or so you know, and the same thing in the morning, it's like six forty five seven seven o'clock, just barely enough light you know is when I'm getting him on the camera heading back so I just feel like if I push it back another three, four, five hundred 500 yards, I think I got a chance.
2: Yeah, that's good. That's good. I think uh, going for the gut right now is probably a good idea based on your, uh, I guess, everything that's coming up with clients, right? So you don't really have a choice. You bring up another point, and I think it's interesting, calling. A lot of people are concerned calling. Um, Early Mm -hmm. season, um, I'm not opposed to doing a little light rattling. Um, I don't don't grunt too much, but I, I typically do a little rattling. I'll actually yep. I'll actually grunt call this time of year um and and make some some normal noises, you know, vocal noises that deer make. What what are you typically doing?
1: Um once again, I think I at least this time of year, I base it more on the deer that I'm hunting. Mm-hmm. And I mean, there's a few other de- good deer in this area as well, but he's I can just tell you he's the dominant deer and I just know he's he's even hitting these scrapes more than any other deer. Um, I, so you can already tell that, you know, he's showing a lot of aggression. So I really think that when you notice that type of activity, you know, because deer individuals like us, some guys want to fight, some guys would rather just shy away. I think this deer is, is going to be the kind of deer that if he hears that calling and so that aggressive calling, I really think that's it's going to tip him off, especially in a spot where he's thrown down a lot of sign. Now, if you're not seeing that heavy sign in an area, I think, you know, that's a good, good indicator that bucks in those areas probably aren't that fired up, and even though they are somewhat territorial, literally even as soon as the velvet starts shedding, that that peak of that aggressive behavior really isn't towards, you know, once we get closer to Halloween and November, but like I said, every deer is an individual, and it, it's not like every deer is turned on with the rut and that kind of behavior the same day, same hour, whatever. Um, I think you just got to get to know the deer you're hunting and base that, you know, on how your approach is or so even furthermore, if, if you're going to call or not. But this deer here, I'm very confident with the sign he's putting down. He's going to be interested.
2: And I'm going to throw a, 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 well, so you didn't, when you say calling, are you talking grunting? What, what type of sounds are you yep. talking? Okay.
1: All, all I do is grunt and I've had a ton of success. Um, probably my best success grunting is the last week of October, first week in November. Then, you know, especially once you get further into the rut and lockdown, just seems like buck's, buck's nose is just on a hot doe trail and, you know, they're harder to, to get in with a grunt call. But, um, I, I do a lot of loud blind grunting, um, a lot of, you know, once again, a lot of hunters are, I think, shy away from that because they're worried about bucks coming downwind. wind. But it's put me in position to get a deer, uh, the deer that I'm hunting especially, um, it's put me in position to see that deer many times. Um, And I've, honestly, I've probably killed at least 80% of my late October bucks, which I've killed, most of my archery bucks have been late October, but say 80% of them came into blind grunting. And I've probably over the years only had five or six that I at least saw come in downwind and spook. Um, so I, I weigh that out. Like it seems to be that it's working better than it's hurting me. No, yeah. I mean, some deer are probably coming in downwind from 200 yards away that I never see, but still it's put a lot of deer on my wall.
2: No, that's good. And I think it's important people recognize, you know, your strategy at time of year based on the, your circumstance, et cetera. Uh, yep. I guess a couple of things I want to throw out one is, and we've talked about this before, uh, the energy maintenance about deer maintaining their their energy levels and these big bucks preparing for the main event right there's yep. there's that mindset which could delay their movement there are minimal movements in these bed, bedrooms that have high quality food high quality browse we've I think I just talked about this on another podcast about deer preferences, their sexual preferences, excuse me, I shouldn't say sexual, the, the, deer's, <laughs> the deer's preference for certain types of food and the differences in, in the sexes. And there are more interest in more, I will say, highly fibrous materials based on their diets They can eat a larger, low quality food source uh, in those areas. And you'll be consuming, I guess, in my areas, like I, I think of, uh, A lot of the sugar maple we have, they eat a lot of the the saplings and the the young rouse that's available to them. So it's thinking about the food available in those those areas. In addition to that, you know, there's going to be more resting and in some case relaxation. It's a a comfort thing. They've got the security cover and the food all combined in one. So they don't need to move in in massive distances to get their nutritional needs met. That's really important for somebody thinking about strategy. And also, I said this before, designing a hunting property. Um and I, I think that's really important to, to kinda lay out for everybody, any listeners that are thinking about kinda how to do, you know, what you're doing on the landscape and what you're considering when you're trying to pick areas to improve or areas to hunt. Uh, so Absolutely. I'll throw that out. We we've yep. we've actually conversed about that before on this podcast. All right.
1: Uh, another thing too that I think, you know, at least a buck has on his mind and knows, you know, just biologically is I think he likes to get his fat reserves at a certain ratio before he really starts running and gunning and, you know, looking for does. So I think the health of the deer may even have a a factor on when he really starts to roam. And, uh, you know, we have some areas in these big woods where food is pretty scarce, and, you know, that could delay, you know, a buck from really getting ready to pursue the rut because he's got to, you know, get so much fat on his on his body before, especially as we're getting close to winter because his body's telling them if if you don't do this right, you won't survive another year. So I think that's something to keep in mind.
2: Yeah. And I also, yeah, I I think that's a great, great, great point. I think their nutritional status is definitely a factor in their timing and, and obviously their awareness of that, you know, their body obviously, I think may or may not help them understand their, their nutritional status and, and where they're at in, you know, their physiology and, and how they're, you know, they're depleting fat reserves or, um, in this case, yep. hopefully gaining fat um, in, the, in the key areas to, to help them in the survival mode once they hit late season. So I think those are all yep. kind of important things. You know, I, I, you, you make me think about a whole, whole bunch of, of different <laughs> topics now that, now that we're getting into this. Because this, a lot of this is whitetail biology. But um, let, let's, um, let's talk a little bit more about the rut and rut yep. strategies. Because when this comes out, it's, it's probably going to be the rut uh breeding period we'll call it uh, whatever the terminology people want to use let's talk about a strategy that steve shirk uses and i know i know every day it's a day-by-day thing right your business is a day-by-day thing but when it comes down to it what gets it done during the the real the breeding season or just prior to the breeding season into the breeding season uh, and not peak breeding season because that's there's a different strategy even peak breeding season
1: um Um, i mean the cameras play a big factor for me in that early stage of the rut, say late October, early November. Um, I like to check cameras and set up on scrapes that are showing daytime pictures of both bucks and does. Um, I think there's a like a early on communication period where both bucks and does are working scrapes, kind of getting to know each other and uh, also like saying, you know, hey, honey, as soon as you're ready just let me know. I think there's a social uh, aspect as far as how they're interacting just before some of these does come into heat. And if you find that right scrape with that kind of behavior, um, it tends to be, you know, a three-, four-, five-day window, and that area can be really hot, specifically hunting that scrape. Uh, Like I said, that's kind of a, a late October, early November. I've even seen it, I kid you not, earlier than that before, um, so I'm watching for that daytime activity, on cameras for that situation that time of year. You know, and once we get into the rut, the, honestly, I'm not a big fan of the. I'm not a big fan of the chasing phase or the breeding phase. I like that earlier stage. Um, I really, you know, I, I try. We try to be a little more aggressive anymore once we get into the, the breeding and chasing phase, just for the fact that. It seems like if you're not in it, you're not in it, um, where the bucks start to roam just a little bit less and they found those that either they sense are coming into heat or they're just going to wait it out till they do. Um, but it seems like if you're not in that zone, in that right area, there's a lot of dead areas. Um, so being a little bit more aggressive later in the rut, um, or I should say maybe even the middle of the rut, and if you're, you know, if you're not seeing that right activity, um, you know, keep moving on you know to different stand locations until till you start seeing some of that you know mature deer chasing and you know that kind of stuff. Um, I, we can go further or maybe I'm jumping ahead, but just maybe I'll let you roll uh, with some questions or your thoughts.
2: No, 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 keep going. I think I think you want yeah. I think you want to keep talking.
1: Um, <laughs> yeah, so late well later in the rut, uh, at times it it's almost and I'm gonna say, a lot of times it's probably like the twelfth or thirteenth to maybe like the eighteenth all of a sudden a lot of times it becomes similar to that late october early November phase where all of a sudden it seems like the bucks will come back to scrapes. sometimes you'll even see does going back to scrapes because not you know even though there's that peak breeding phase, I feel like there's a big explosion of of breeding and chasing. And then it starts to taper down, but yet the bucks are still like, they're like, okay, that was fun, but I don't want it to end. So they tend to go back to those scrapes. And, uh, you know, I think you can get on some hot signs similar to, like, what I said, the late October, early November period, Um, and you can hunt with those same strategies again, you know, throughout mid-November. And then at least our rut here in Pennsylvania, once we get – late teens you know 19th 20 21st there's rutting activity but it's very minimal um or a lot of it seems to be at night big factor too is you know when our bear season starts we we literally in a lot of areas have more bear hunters and deer hunters and they put on massive drives you know they just put a lot of pressure on our deer and that seems to really have an effect on that later part of the rut so Overall, if you really want to catch the rut in our area, you know, you're talking that late October to mid-November, and then, you know, really for rut hunting, it's about over after that.
2: In New York, specifically, once uh, once the guns go off, you know, that changes the entire environment for that matter. And some of these early season gun hunts that they have, I think they tend to retard or create more distractions for the deer and certainly upset, you know, normal movement cycle patterns that you would typically help for so you know I, I wonder kind of what the the uh our DNR or dec their strategy really is right to to promote um natural movement breeding cycles etc anyhow yeah. so no all good stuff steve i think this is very interesting and you know i i'm excited to see you know how your season goes i know you don't put a lot of pressure on yourself what's good and i'll tell that to a lot of people i think the one bit of advice i want to give to everybody you know do not put pressure on yourself um yep. You know, it's not about shooting the largest buck. It's shooting, you know, the right deer in your area. Think about, you know, what's offered, you know, what's available to you. And then also consider, you know, what's best for the herd. I think we don't think about that. Um, I said this recently on a a totally different podcast. I keep talking about other podcasts i do, but, you know, Steve, you do about like 100 podcasts a year, but um, (laughs) another podcast just saying, what are we in this for? And ask yourself that question. Why are you doing what you're doing? Um, What's the purpose behind this? And in this land management thing, every step that you make, in Steve's case, every move that he makes, every client he put, there's a purpose behind the madness and and have some real rationale behind that. For me, I'm hunting for meat and uh, I've got a deer quota to make for sustaining and keeping my family fed. And that's really kind of the most important thing to me. And beyond that, beyond that, find your purpose in this whole thing. And if it's for pure enjoyment, then enjoy every minute of it. And, and don't make it about the, the harvest. And if the harvest is the cherry on top, by goodness, God bless you for that. And so that that's that's what I'd like to end in on my end. So, Steve, why don't you, anything you want to end with?
1: Yeah, no, I'll just kind of add on top of that, like specifically, you know, things have been really, really hectic for me this week, you know, stressful, busy. But I noticed, you know, the past couple nights when I've been in the stand, like, there's just been a true medicine of just being, not just in the stand, but just being in the woods. Like there's a calming, there's a relaxation. Um, I know I touch on it every now and then, but, you know, I'm a a Christian, so I'm a big believer in prayer. But there was, like, just, like, this true medicine that was out there as far as, like, taking away all my anxieties. And, like, I, I encourage people to, like, really just don't always put like pressure on yourself and and always be out there just for the fact that okay when's he going to come by I just want to kill something like just let the the true spirit of the of the woods out there really get into your your mind body and soul and you'd be surprised you know just the the feeling you get from that is literally almost as good as shooting a, a you know mature buck so there's there's so much out in the, you know in the outdoors that sometimes we overlook so many of these things that are just so good for our lives. And, uh, if, if you, if you miss out on some of these things that are overlooked, really, you're you're definitely missing out on the whole aspect of hunting. So, uh, just kind of touching on what you said, I, I think, uh, we should all be, you know, trying to be more well-rounded and just enjoy the hunting for, uh, all that it is and soak up as much as we can.
2: Good, I love that, and I appreciate you ending with that and the faith-based, you know, concepts and everything you just kind of identified in concert with nature and being one with nature and experiencing that kind of at its deepest level and taking it in. Um, I think that's sometimes just as holy as as you know some may not consider that being holy, but to me that is a holy factor in life. And I would just yep. recognize that you know we all think about things differently, and it's really important to be open-minded. And this podcast is intended to uh, support, you know, different ideas and concepts. And that's why I think we're, we're on this together, Steve. It's a journey, right? And um, I I want to thank you. You know, we did four parts, man. And and we ended with you and I'm happy we (laughs) ended ended with you and not another guest, right? We were going to do another (laughs) guest and I said, let's just do uh, a Steve and John show and go from there. It's been I've been blessed to have you on this podcast and blessed to build a friendship with you. And it's, it's been good and more to come from us, you know, in the coming months, Uh, I wish you well, I wish your clients well, and uh, hopefully we'll see each other soon.
1: All right, bud. Thanks for having me. And I know I'll be taking a break, but you can guarantee that I'll be on once uh, we get this season over with. So Uh, best of luck to you.
2: All right, Steve. Thanks, man. We'll talk soon.
1: All right. Bye-bye.
2: Bye. Maximize
1: Your Hunt is a production of Whitetail Landscapes. For more information on how John Teeter and his team of experts can help you maximize your hunt, check
2: out whitetaillandscapes.com.